works out just perfect in my opinion. Because really, it's a, a new year for us, obviously. I think the Lord is very, He's good to us. How many believe that what we sang this morning, the Lord is good? Because He gives us new starts all the time. Uh, there's something unique about how God set timetables up and how he set seasons up and how he put everything together so that you and I can enjoy a fresh new start every year. Hey, we get a fresh new start every 30 or 31 days. We get a fresh new start every week. Come on. In fact, you know, Sunday is the first day of the week, so you come into church and it's a fresh new start for your week. doesn't matter what happened in the past, it's what a fresh new start is going to produce. And then we get a fresh new start even every day. In fact, David said it this way, he says, your mercies are new every morning. Now, how many need mercy every morning? Yeah, I tell you, we do. I, every morning you need mercy because the day before was probably a messed up day or it got tiring at least or whatever the case may be. And the mercy of God comes along, renews us, touches us, strengthens us, does something inside of us, and we are able to sort of get another breath and take another stab at it. Amen? And even then, when you think about it, We were talking, Eleanor and Susan and I were in uh, just relaxing at the end of a busy day yesterday, and we were talking about death. I don't know how we got onto that, but we were talking about death and the fact that the the life that we live, I hope you realize that sometimes it seems arduous, sometimes it seems long, sometimes it seems complicated and all sort of messed up, but the Bible says that these 70, 80 years that you get to live, hopefully longer... Amen. Whatever. They're just a fleeting wisp. And then they're gone. It's not that long considering all things and considering eternity. It's just a a wisp of wind. It's just a, a present momentary thing. And then before you know it, it's gone. And so how we handle life, how we handle this life and handle our decisions and handle everything else that's given to us, how we handle our choices, everything like that, it really matters because we want our lives to count. I have in all of my life, I'm 62 years old, in all of my going around and everything, I have never met anybody yet who did not want their life to be significant in some way. We want our lives to count. We want to sort of feel that we're spending our time right, that we're doing something of significance, that we're making a difference, that we're uh, not just enjoying life, not just uh, getting along or getting by in life, but that really something is being produced through us and in us. That's why there's probably a few people that aren't like this, but that's why most people enjoy working because you feel like you're accomplishing something and you get after it and you do it and and then you have a sense of fulfillment and a sense of purpose and you feel like you're fulfilling something. I think that thought is from God. I think that attribute is from God. God has given every single one of us Every one of you in this room, he's given to us a destiny. There's a certain destiny. There's a certain uh, future, if you would. There's a certain purpose for you and I being born and living in this day and age right now, but also for what we are called to accomplish in this life. You and I, each one of us, we're unique, and we're unique because not only because we look different, Some of us are very handsome, very good looking, 
No, all of you are. But we're unique in the way God has made us to fulfill something. Every one of us have a call of God on our lives. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Jerry? Well, I don't mean that every one of us are called to pastor. There's only a few of us that do that, and you really don't want that job anyhow, trust me. (laughs) Trust me on this. But every one of us do have a call on our lives to do something. And it doesn't matter today, listen, if you're in uh, in the academic world or if you're in the plumbing world or the electrician world or the, or the insurance world, or uh, it, it doesn't matter. You are right where God wants you to be and you're there to fulfill something. Number one, you represent the kingdom of God. You represent not just the purpose that God has for your life, but you represent His greater scheme and purpose. So I hope that that helps you understand you don't live in a vacuum. By the way, if your coworkers or your schoolmates or whatever know you're a believer, they're watching you. And so you don't live in a vacuum. By the way, you don't sin in the vacuum either. Did you know that? It never just affects you. It affects somebody else all the time. It's just how life is. It's just how God made it happen. And so we've got to be aware more than ever before. And I think because of the season and the time that we're living in, I think even more so than ever before, we've got to be aware of the times and the seasons that we're living in and why you and I are still breathing and living on this earth and what God's plan is for each one of us right now. He's got a destiny. Listen, even in 2017, here it is. I was writing the the date down on something. uh, I was saving a copy of my message because I type my notes out and then I save it by the date. 010117. Ooh, that felt weird. Felt weird. You know what I'm saying? It'll take most of us 45, 60 days to write the checks right, put the right date on it. You know how that goes. But he's got something in store for every one of us in 2017 that is unique. And it's really a great adventure to figure out from God what it is that he wants us to do. Now, here's what you can't do. You can't sit around saying, I'll wait until he tells me. And then I'll do it. You've got to get out there and get mixed up in the mess a little bit and you'll find out what happens. Because then when you're in the middle of something, all of a sudden God uses you to bring help or salvation or or uh, 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 encouraging word to somebody. And you know right then God was using you in 2017. And that's what he wants to do with every single one of us. That's why I say we all have a call of ministry, if you would, on our lives. We're servants of God. We're ministers of the Most High God. You and I, sitting in here today, we've got something that sits on us that gives us an authority. It gives us a sensitivity. It gives us a understanding. It gives us a a, a revelation of a greater scheme than just living day to day. Boy, I hope you don't start the new year by just trying to exist and live again day to day. That's the worst kind of living you can have. But if you can get your vision lifted up a little bit this morning and see long term and long view down the road a little bit about what God wants to do in your life this year, oh, and get a vision for that, you are going to have a very fulfilling year. And listen, it's not predicated on what's happening around us. Did you hear what I said? It's not predicated. Your destiny, your future, 
listen real closely, is not predicated on who's getting inaugurated in, on January 20th. Your destiny, your future is not predicated on what your boss thinks or doesn't think. Your, your future, your destiny is not predicated on how much money you're going to make this year. That's a blessing. It's bigger than that. God's got greater design for you than that. I love the story of Abraham in the Old Testament. We're going to look at him for a second this morning. And then we're going to go to the communion table. And by the way, I'm going to tell you this right off the bat. These altars here this morning are open starting right now. Because if God speaks to you this morning and you need to make your way to the altar, these altars are open. I want us to set ourselves in a certain motion starting at this brand new day of a brand new year and be free of everything in the past. In fact, do you know this? You can't go forward until you deal with the past. Because it will shackle you. It will encumber you. It will, you'll drag it around like a ball and chain. And you'll wonder why you can't advance as rapidly or as successfully in 2017. And oftentimes it's because we're carrying stuff from 2016. So I sort of want to bridge the two days, the two years right here. I'm sort of standing halfway in 2016 with you this morning, and I'm standing the other foot in 2017. And I want to look at the, the life of Abraham. By the way, Abraham, who is called the father of the faith, he is our spiritual father, every one of us, if you would. I mean, he's, he's the one that set this thing in motion. We're a part of the kingdom of God. We're saved here this morning, and we're uh, walking with Jesus just because of Abraham's faithfulness to respond to a call one day and, and honor God and do whatever God told him to do. And God called that man very, very faithful. And out of Abraham came the whole line that brought us all the way to Jesus. Genealogy-wise. Now, you and I are grafted in, but we're still part of that same family. And he set a real pattern for us. Abraham, if you remember the story, was uh, just going about his business. He was a little bit older, actually, than what you would normally think of somebody being called by God. But one day God said, Abraham, I'm calling you and I want you to get up from where you're at. He was sort of working for his dad and everything. And you get up and you go to a place I'm going to show you. Now that's a strange word. That's a strange deal. But the the deal was, if you'll do it, I am going to use you to birth a brand new nation. Out of you, Abraham, there will be more descendants than the stars that you see in the sky or the sand gran- granules that you see on the beach. Oh, I talk beach. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh Lord. I saw something the other day. Someone sent me a post of the, of the weather forecast where I live in Jupiter, Florida. And it, it, Friday, it was only high of 56 degrees. And the, 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 uh, Palm Beach Post wrote it this way. They says, we're wanting to announce to you that winter is going to be held on Friday this year. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. I'm not there and I'm here. That's fine. I come back home. It'll be 86 when I get home Tuesday. Jesus, thank you. But he said to Abraham, you get up and go to a place where I'm going to show you. And if you obey me and if you follow me and just follow me with all your heart by faith, I am going to bless the socks off of you. 
Now that same promise holds true for you and I. And Abraham had to get up and do what God had called him to do. Now, i got to tell you, though, Abraham was very much like Jerry and very much like Chris and very much like Renice. And he was very much like any one of us that are sitting in this room this morning. He didn't always do things right. In fact, you come up to a point in Abraham's life after a long period of living, and Abraham's been going after it and trying to pursue God, but in many of the cases, he made some awful mistakes. And he comes up even to chapter 23, if you'll turn to it in Genesis, he comes up to this point in his life where his wife is dead, she's died, she dies at 127 years old. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I want to live quite that long. Not quite that long, but that's a long time to go. And he's coming upon a new season. For him, in Genesis 23, for Abraham, it's just like you and I. It's a brand new day. It's a brand new season. It's a brand new moment in his life. And he is now faced with the prospect of his wife who he loved, who he really went after, who God set up. And you read the whole history of Abraham and Sarah, how God even changed Sarah's name and all of that that goes behind that and all that. And, I mean, all sorts of good stuff had happened in the years that they had been married. But there were some awful things that took place as well in those years. And now he comes into Genesis chapter 23, and you see this, it says it this way. In fact, let me read it out of this translation if I could. I got that one there, but let me show you this. It says this, and it really is good. Boy, I left my glasses in my case down there. I think I'll be okay. It said this, Sarah lived 127 years, starting at verse 1. These were the years of the life of Sarah. That's Abraham's wife. So Sarah died right there in Karjath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. I hope most of you that if you lost your spouse, you would weep and mourn as well. I don't want to see a show of hands if it's different. (laughs) Then Abraham stood up from before his dead, and he spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Now, listen, understand this. Give you a little history here. Abraham had been called to begin a brand new nation and was told by God years before this event took place that God was going to give him a land. That his new nation out of Abraham, the Jewish people, were going to have their own land, their own possession, their, their own ability, their, their ability to say this is our place and no other place. That's our place. And that place was the land of Canaan. It's what we know now is of Israel. It was, it's this very place. But yet, right now, Abraham, who's been following God, has not able, been able to even call any part of that land his own. He's never bought it. He's never purchased it. Nothing like that. And now his wife dies. And Abraham says to these guys that own this area, the sons of Heth, he says to them, Give me property for a burial place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. 
I want you to sit right on that thought for a second. By the way, when you read the rest of this chapter, you read that they negotiate back and forth, that Abraham only wanted to purchase a cave to bury Sarah in, and the sons of Hesse say, no, we want to sell you the whole place. And actually, the end result of this whole episode, again, he's being directed by God, is that he ends up purchasing, Abraham does this whole big tract of land, and it becomes the first of the piece of land that God's going to give Israel one day. It's the first piece. It's the fulfillment of what part of what Abraham's destiny is. But Abraham comes up upon this point where his wife died. Now, I don't know about you, but I've done countless funerals. I've, I've been around countless beds of death, seen people pass right in front of me. That's happened more times than I can count. Death is not an easy thing for anybody to go through. Death, I find, for most people, is a very reflective moment. When somebody that you've been close to, spouse or child or whatever, when something happens and somebody dies, it becomes a real time of reflection. In fact, that's what happens at memorial services. I've got to attend one here in two weeks down in Phoenix. My mentor died. After, I mean, the one that worked in my life so strongly when I was 18, 19 year old kid, and uh, even a little bit younger than that, and to about 23 or so. And I'm going to go to his memorial service. We get together, and it's a time of reflection. We're remembering back, and we're thinking about, and typically, <laughs> I've been in some tough services too, memorial services, but typically, memorial services are, tend to be a little bit more uplifting, and we talk about the good attributes. I hope on my memorial service, you'll talk about the good things about. <laughs> Can I get at least a little amen out of you? <laughs> Scare me here. Oh yeah, I remember him. Boy, he was a real rough, real, yeah. no, 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 be nice. Be nice now, all right? And we come together and we try to remember the good things and all that. But I think something was happening here with Abraham. I really do. I wonder if Abraham, when he was doing this and thinking about burying his wife, who he had walked with for many years, she's 127 here when she passes, I wonder if he wasn't thinking about some of the things that they had walked through as a couple. And some of these things that they had walked through as a couple were really not some very good moments in Abraham's life. I mean, a lot can happen in 127 years. A lot of up and downs. A lot of good and a lot of not so good. In fact, a lot can happen in one year of 2016. In 365 days, there can be a lot of up and there can be some down. It can happen to every one of us. Sometimes we can mark it by a week. There was a little good in that week and a lot of bad in that week. Some of us even live day by day that way. Boy, it was a bad day yesterday. Lousy day. Oh, my goodness. Well, all right. Here's Abraham after 120, well, she's been living for 127 years. And Abraham has been promised a home. No home has been forthcoming. This is the very first piece of land, like I told you, that he wants. And he's getting a cave to bury his wife in. Think about that. The first piece of land you own is somewhere where you can bury somebody. That's the first piece. 
Doesn't sound much like the promise is coming to pass to me that God had given him. But the owners, like I said, insist he buys the whole field. It becomes his own land. By the way, you do see he does end up buying it later on. And it's initiated by the death of his wife. And it's not the happiest moment. I think Abraham is sitting there. I I don't know if he's reflecting back, but he had to be doing something of that nature. And he's thinking back on the the miles they walked and journeyed together and what they went through. And He's thinking back about his own life too, not just about Sarah's. And I imagine he's thinking back to some moments that were probably pretty happy, but I'll bet you he was thinking back on some of the failures as well. Here's the person that he's burying. She's the one that he lied about way back about 12 chapters when he got into Egypt. And he was so afraid of his own skin being beat that he lied about who she was to Pharaoh. He told his wife, he says, I know you're beautiful. Your countenance is gorgeous. And he says, just so that I don't get killed and they, somebody kills me off so that they can have you as a possession. Tell everybody you're my sister. Now, guys, I don't know how that would go over in your home. <laughs> but that would not go over well in my home. My wife, if I did that, would rise up. And she's beautiful. Oh my God, help me out. Be a little quicker. She's beautiful. Uh, Susan, we're going to a place that's, we're flying into a land that, uh, you know, maybe Nepal or something, and you're so beautiful. I'm afraid that they would kill me to take you and have you. And would you tell them that I'm your sister? I mean, you're my sister and I'm your brother. Oh, my wife would absolutely... Well, she'd kill me. She would, I would have to wait for somebody else to kill me. They'd be, but can you imagine how that must have made his wife feel? Sarah must have looked at him and go, Say what? You said to have me become your sister? And you know what happened in the story? It's, it gets really bad. Pharaoh starts taking a look at her, and all of a sudden, plagues start coming upon Pharaoh's house because he's messing with something that God had ordained. And Pharaoh goes, what the world is going on here? And he finds out that Abraham has lied about who his wife is. And he says, oh my God. He says, you almost brought destruction on my home for your lousy lie. Get you and your wife and get out of here. And they had to leave Egypt. That was Abraham's fault. And here he is burying his dead wife. The one that he had betrayed. Oh, here's another biggie for Abraham. The promise was you'll have a son. God's going to give you something. Sarah says, I'm too old. Abraham says, I'm too old. Sarah comes up. Sarah comes up with a plan. Hey, Abraham, I've got a plan for you. We'll, we'll make the sun happen. We'll, we'll help manipulate this thing into being. We'll push our vision and our dream and our destiny, the, the thing God's called us to do and be. We'll push it into 
Yeah, has anybody ever done that? You know God said something and you try to manipulate it into happening? Can I just get an amen on the other? Yeah, and we'll push it. We'll put the square peg in the round hole and we'll make it work. She says to him, go ahead and... Now that's Sarah doing this, but go ahead and take my handmaiden named Hagar. Take her into your tent and lay with her and maybe she'll give you a son that I can't give you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Sarah went through that night? While Abraham and Hagar are in in that tent? What's she thinking? You talk about betrayal. You talk about broken trust. You talk about, and even though she told him, listen, he did it. It's not that she just told him. I, I mean, can I be honest with you? If your wife tells you to do something, don't necessarily do it. <laughs> Particularly something that goes contrary to the Word of God. Amen. But he doesn't. I think she was hoping he wouldn't. I think she was sort of, oh man, I, I'm going to tell him because I know he really wants a son and all, but oh, I hope he doesn't do that. And he went ahead and did it anyhow. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Hagar walking around like Sarah? Around the camp, pregnant. Every time Sarah saw Hagar, you got to believe something rose up inside of her. Can you imagine after the child is born, Ishmael is born, can you imagine every time somebody yells out, Ishmael, time for dinner, something in Sarah hurts again. Probably something in Abraham hurt again too. He knew he messed up. He knew he had failed. Wrong choice. Stupid choice. Just dumb. Shouldn't have done that. And now, Genesis 23, there she lies. And he says these words. I think this is very interesting. Give me land that I can bury my dead. Watch. Out of my sight. That's not a... I don't think that's a slam on Sarah. I don't think he's wanting to get rid of her. I think he's having to turn the corner like you and I have to sometimes. And what he's saying to us, I think, is this. Help me to bury what represents my failings my failures my disappointments my hurts the slights help me to bury that my mistakes out of my sight
so that I can go forward. Told you earlier, 2016, 2017. You and I can't go forward until we deal with the mistakes of the past. That's what redemption is all about. Every day is a redemptive plan of God happening. Your mercies are new every morning. Every week, every month, however you mark a season, every fall, summer, winter, spring, every year, beginning of every new year, it's the ability to watch the redemptive work of Jesus Christ come along and bring a new sheet of paper that we can write on. But we've got to bury the dead out of our sight. Now here's what I know about human nature, about you and I. Hard to forget. Anybody have a problem forgetting what you've done wrong? No. It's hard to forget. Well, maybe I should ask this. Anybody ever done anything wrong? Okay, good. Okay, great. It's hard to forget when you've made a mistake. Let's bring it home to where you and I live. Anybody did things you wish you hadn't done in 2016? Any things that you wish you'd made a better choice? Wish I'd not gone that route. Wish I hadn't gone down that road. Wish I hadn't said that. Wish I hadn't done that. Wish I hadn't made that decision. That was bad. I never saw that one. Oh, I wish that I hadn't been betrayed like that. Wish I hadn't done... Oh, I mean, just it goes on and on and on and on, doesn't it? And I'm telling you today, here's the good news. You've got to buy a field and you've got to bury the dead out of your sight. You've got to do it. You have got to deal with the failure. You've got to deal with the bad decision. You've got to deal with the hurt, with the insult, with the betrayal. You've got to deal with all of it and bury it out of your sight in order to go forward. It's a new day. It's January 1, 2017. Aren't you glad? But you've got to bury the dead out of your sight. By the way, can I tell you two things that are very important that you really do need to know about this? Number one, you've got to buy a field in order to do this. And the good news is, even if you don't have any money, Jesus already bought the field for you. He took care of that. He bought the whole field for you. All you've got to do is acknowledge what he's done and how he purchased it on your behalf. And then receive the gift of that purchase. And I'm not talking about just a non-Christian person. I'm talking about Christians in the room here this morning as well. I've got to go back and go, you know what? Oh man, Jer, I made some dumb moves, dumb mistakes in 2016. And I mean, they could be horrendous. I I can't actually think of anything more horrendous than what Abraham did with Hagar. But hey, listen, I'm not so naive to believe that there may be some of us in this room this morning that have done some horrendous things. But we've got to bury the dead out of our sight. 
Jesus paid for the field. And here's the second thing you've got to do. Once you bury the dead out of your sight, you've got to get up from your mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, your mourning, your weeping, your crying, your grieving. You've got to dust yourself off, and you've got to get out there and get back to business. Amen. Come on, amen. I find it very interesting. It almost sounds like it's the end of the story here in Genesis 23. He was old. In fact, the very next chapter, verse 1, and Abraham was very old. I'm going, oh my Lord, this is it. It's all done. Do you know what he starts doing? Hey, bring my servant in here. i got to get a wife for the next generation. Isaac's here. He needs a wife. Servant, come in. Go find a wife for him. And before you know it, you read a couple more chapters. He's gotten a wife for Isaac named Rachel. He's done all these things. He's doing all this. To good. Why? Because he's still been given a call. He still has the dream. He still has got the vision. He's still got the empowerment from God to be a man of many nations. He's got it still. It's still in him. Even though the past had some bad mistakes, I'm going forward. And before you read it, in about two more chapters after chapter 23, he's taken on another wife and had more kids. This is a guy who thought he couldn't have any. Oh, come on. Hallelujah for that. I mean, gee whiz. This guy is nonstop. <laughs> come on, amen. Guy's a machine. <laughs> I mean, he's having children, everything, and he's still walking in the promises that God gave him. Now, here we come to the communion this morning. It's not just another table. It's not just another meal. It is a reminder of the redemptive power of God that you and I can enjoy today. It helps us to remember that we can bury out of our sight everything that brings death. You can't take death into the new year. Come on. You can't take it into the new year. You've got to bury it in the field out of your sight. If you take it into the new year, it's going to mess your year up bad. You won't be able to function. I mean it. You won't make it. If you remember, if you deal with, if or say it this way, if you haven't dealt with the past, it will always affect your future. That's why you and I enjoy and should enjoy and should honor and should be blessed by the fact that he brings to us redemption. And God says this of your sin and my sin. When I deal with it, he says, I forget it as far as the east is from the west. I remember it no more. It's been put into the sea of my forgetfulness, he says. And I don't even, when I look at you, I don't even think about it anymore. Whoa! How many need a little bit of that? Because, see, I know my mistakes. I know my failings. I know my failures. I know my missteps. I know my missing the mark. And you do too. But I need a fresh start for 2017. Come on, amen. I need to put 2016 to the where it's at. 
Susan and I got in a discussion the other day. I forget how it came up. But I've always been the type. We were talking about somebody. I can't remember. Maybe one of the kids or I forget. I'm always the type. Have been all my life. I never look back. I just don't do it. I don't like doing it. You know, uh, some people go to every reunion their high school ever had. I never want to go back. I did not enjoy my high school years all that much that makes me want to have a reunion with them people. You know what I'm saying? So I just don't go back. I go, and I found a little clipping the other day on Facebook, and I sent it to her. She says, oh, that is you exactly. It says, never look back because you're not headed in that direction. I thought, that's exactly right. I don't head that way. I'm heading this way. Why would I look back where I came? I'm going this way. But at the same time, I do know that you've still got to deal with what's in the past. Now, here's the neat part about it. We're coming to this point today, in this meeting today, New Year, that in and around this communion table today, and Pastor Solo and I, we're going to pray for you and all that. We're going to lead you in it. But I want it to be for you that you take the failures of 2016. You take those missteps. You take all of that. And you bury your dead today out of your sight. In fact, you might even need to, listen, and this is not a make it, you know, embarrass you or anything, but you might need to make an actual place at this altar this morning during communion and say, Lord, I'm getting up from this place today, having buried the dead out of my side. Amen. Confess it. Put it down. Put it before him. Everything that Sarah represented of his successes and his failures, he buried it out of his sight. And he got up, started a new day. I want that for us this morning. Can you say amen to that? Everything. And I guarantee you, if we will do this, if we'll take this step today, spiritually speaking, we're going to see God bring a fulfillment of his promises on every single one of our lives. I bring Abraham to you and to your attention because he had a messed up life in a lot of ways. And yet, you know what Hebrews calls him? The father of the faith. Whoa. I mean, come on, really? Abraham? Yeah, yeah. So what are they going to call you? What are they going to call me? God didn't tell us to be perfect. He knew that we couldn't. That's why he loved us so much he gave us a redemptive plan. We're to avail ourselves of that. So this morning the worship team is going to come back. We're going to sing a little bit and the men are going to pass out the cup and the bread. The folks are going to pass the cup and the bread out. When they do, I want you to hold it. But listen... Even as they're passing it out or whatever, however it's arranged this morning, you may feel the need to come to the altar. You hold your communion cup and your piece of bread until we've all are taking, to get, taking it together so that we can pray over it. But listen, if you feel the need to come to the altar this morning, you do that because you really do need the exercise of burying the dead out of your sight today. That's going to do you well. Trust me. It's going to be a good thing for you.